0: Oh, amen. Let's give applause for our Lord Jesus Christ. There we go. We're going to be in Psalms chapter 23, Psalms chapter 23, in verse 4. And if you're new here, I'm Pastor Lucas Cunningham. And uh, those who are watching online, we welcome you. Thank you for watching or listening on the podcast. And um, man, we've had some great weather this weekend. It's been wonderful. Hope you got out Outside a little bit, maybe had a little bit of a, uh, maybe a little bonfire, and uh, hung out with the teens a little bit last night, and um, pray for Austin. He went paintballing with a bunch of teenagers, so um, he, uh, I, I know some of them probably are walking with a limp this morning from getting shot by paintballs, but here we are, here we are in Psalms 23 and verse 4, and I uh, also want to mention, also want to mention, and this is exciting, we, we're baptizing two today. Today, so praise God for that, amen. Amen. That's wonderful, yeah. (laughs) Let's start at the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, He leads me beside peaceful streams, He renews my strength, He guides me along paths of righteousness, bringing honor to His name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being our shepherd. That when we go astray, you bring us back. When we walk through difficult valleys, the darkest valley, Lord, you're with us. When we walk through storms, when we go through issues in life, you don't leave us. You don't forsake us. You're with us. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but God, you've given us a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. So, Lord, lead us, guide us. May we humble ourselves and let you show us the paths in which we need to take. And when we walk through difficulty in life, that we'll trust in you. We'll trust in you, not blame you, but trust in you through the hard times. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Nowhere in Scripture... Will you find where God says, you know what, I'm going to make sure that you never have any problems. I'm going to make sure that you never have any difficulty. I'm going to make sure that everyone's rich. I'm going to make sure everyone has always has good health. You won't find that in the Bible. Now, you'll find that on TV a little bit from some TV preachers, some of them right? And there's some who do teach that if you're living for Jesus, you won't have any problems. You won't have any health issues. In fact, if you're living for Jesus, you know, I think one of them on TV blew COVID away. I don't know if you knew that, but that was interesting. And a way to make Christians look crazier, right? That's, That's wonderful. But we see that we do have problems, that it is real life, And even when we've done everything right, and we're doing good, we're going the right direction, we're living for Jesus, we're involved in church, we're doing this, and yet there's times we're like, God, why am I walking through this difficult time? Why am I walking through this difficult time? And why am I walking through this valley of the shadow of death? Now some say that as David being a former shepherd, that he was overlooking the valley in between Jerusalem and Jericho, that kind of is known as that Valley of the Shadow of Death because the only time that little canyon uh, during the day, the only time it was lit up was at noontime because it was so narrow and so long. Maybe, and maybe that's what David was talking about, but I believe it was more symbolic. Uh, more he was going for symbolism when it came to what he was talking about the valley of the shadow of death and so what does it mean even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death that you're with me it means that even when I've lost my job God's with me even though I found I found out that I have cancer God is with me even though my child is rebelling against everything I've taught them God is with me Even though my marriage may be on the rocks, God is with me. Even though I'm depressed, he is with me. Even though I'm stressed to the max, my shepherd is with me. And as we saw a couple weeks ago, I love how it starts off. The Lord is my shepherd. Not a shepherd. That could be anybody. But my shepherd. Showing ownership, showing love, showing that He is with me and that we don't have to be afraid because the Lord is with us. You can always find something to be afraid of. You can always find, there's always, and there's some rational fear, absolutely, and we'll kind of tackle that here in a moment. But it reminds me of a, uh, something I read once. It was um, about an old story or a legend that came from India. It tells of a mouse that was terrified of cats. So the magician agreed to transform him into a cat. But then, when he was a cat, he was afraid of the dog. And so the magician, and he asked the magician to change him into a dog, so he did. Then, then once he was a dog, the mouse-turned-cat-turned-dog was content until he met a tiger. And then he asked the magician again, hey, can you change me? Uh, Because this tiger found that he was afraid of man. And the magician said, no, I'm not going to help you anymore because I will find, I will make you into a mouse again. For though you have the body of a tiger, you still have the heart of a mouse. You know, some today you think to yourself, well, if I was just a little bit older, I wouldn't have some of the problems I have today. But then there's some of you who are a little bit older and you think, if I was just a little bit younger, I wouldn't have some of these problems today. I remember I heard a, a well-known pastor once say that he never felt old enough to be a pastor. He always felt too young. He said, in, it said the, the, the only one age where he didn't feel he was too young to be a pastor was the age of 49. And then he said, I turned 50 and then I felt too old to be a pastor. (laughs) There's some of us, we think to ourselves, if I just had, if I was just rich, or if I just won the lottery, or if I had that job, or this job, or if I was married, or I was this, I would have, I wouldn't have some of these stresses in life. Yes, you would. It just changes. It just changes. And the question is, what will we do when fear comes our way? What will we do as we walk through these dark valleys? And as mentioned in 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. In the New King James it says, of sound judgment. It's true. God's spirit helps us when it comes to our fear. And if you watch enough, Fox News or CNN or whatever you watch, then you can live a very fearful life, fearful life. You see, this valley of death that is mentioned here in this popular psalm, it is unavoidable. And maybe you think to yourself, well, I will get around it some way. No, 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 you won't. You're going to go through hard times. You're going to go through some dark valleys. And this valley of death, it is unavoidable. It just is. It's going to happen. It's going to come. In one way or another. And and unless Jesus comes back, um, we all as believers are going to experience death. We don't like to think about that. We don't need to live every day just thinking today's going to be the day that I die and like depress ourselves. But, but man, every day we need to realize that this life is not guaranteed and that we should take advantage of every day in which God gives us. Each day truly, truly is a gift. This is what the Bible says though. It says in Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. We're all gonna die. We all will be judged. And we all have to deal with this subject of death. And so as we walk in this valley, as is unavoidable, we need to come to we need to come to the conclusion of who we're gonna trust in. Are we going to trust in just ourselves? Are we going to trust in some just guru what are we going to do for the soul that as we walk through it and we're afraid and we're wondering can i make it can i make it through this valley can i make it through this dark time i'm going through and they do come sometimes it literally is death in which we're dealing with sometimes it's the death of a loved one sometimes it's our own health sometimes it's a death of a relationship or a death of a job or a death of of something being broken in your life that needs fixed. It's unavoidable. We live in a broken world. And nowhere in Scripture do you find that God says, my children never will have to deal with this broken world, that my children will never get innocently caught in the crosshairs of evil. In our world today, we have wars going on. We have... Morality just being thrown out the window. And any more, a fallen world needs even more for a church, God's people, to rise up with love and truth in their hands. It's unavoidable. See the valley of death? It's unpredictable. It's unpredictable. And as believers... As believers, we can find comfort in knowing that God is sovereign, that God is in control. That when things get crazy in our lives and things happen which we don't understand, we can trust in the Lord. We can trust in Him. If you really think about it, if you really think about it, life really isn't that safe. It's not. Some of you tomorrow could be going to the doctor and find out that you have cancer some of you be find out in the next month that you have only so much long to live. Uh, we, we all probably know someone that was in a horrible car wreck that was healthy and good, and the next moment they're gone. And we go, God, what's going on? Life isn't safe. And so it's unpredictable. But even as we walk in an unpredictable world and not knowing what will happen next, and not a one of us saw that in 2019 that we were going to deal with a pandemic in 2020. I'm not sure what you would have done anyway if you did know. No one would have listened to you if you had said, you know what? Next year from about March, man, there's going to be a pandemic. And you're going to have to wear a mask. And you're going to have to do this. And some of you, to, we're really going to be scared at first. And then we're going to realize. Anyway, we won't go into all that. But... They thought, well, you're just—that's the crazy uncle or crazy aunt I have, or crazy mom or dad. Like, we wouldn't have believed it. But life's unpredictable. But as a follower of Christ, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. As the most famous passage, well, it's very famous. One of my favorite passages. You know, is Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not into your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct or guide your paths. But if you go, I think, down to verse 8, it says something interesting. It says, I think it's the New King James and the King James, it says, it'll be health to your navel and morrow to your bones. Now, navel is this area right here. Morrow is what gives you know, your blood, gives you life to be able to live. So the result of trusting in God and saying, "God, I'm going to trust you in this life in the valley. That you are my shepherd. That you are with me. It's going to bring health. In the NLT, it says it brings healing to the body, but it's not talking about physical healing. It's talking about emotional healing. It's talking about us who are dealing with stress and anxiety and worry in our lives. What is the answer to? At the end of the day, it's the Lord. It really is." It's trusting in him. It's turning it over to him and realizing he's the one truly in control. You know, the average male lives in today's age around 78, give or take. Average female, age of 82. And in this life and having done many funerals, I've seen where I've buried people much, much younger and realized how unpredictable life truly is. And on the gravestone you see their birth date, you see a dash, and you see their death date. And while you may look at one's gravestone and you may not know who it is, you wonder what do they do in that short dash? In the scheme of eternity, this life in which we get, whether it's 20, 30 years, or it ends up being you know, 80 years or 100 years, in the scheme of eternity, it's really just a dash. What will you do with it? How will you view it? And how will you walk with the shepherd through this valley? You see, the valley of death is impartial. No one's immune. No one escapes death in this life. No one escapes hard times in this life. We will deal with it. And death does not take into account how much education you have, uh, or health, your health, or how much money you have. It doesn't really care. The facts about death and hard times can be somewhat depressing, but it's something we should be aware of and know that, and it should affect, should affect how we live our lives. And knowing that our trust is in Jesus Knowing that each day is a gift, as Christians, should, should compel us even more to love, to share the gospel, and to help other people who are around us. And also, also, to show grace. To show grace to people who, in mercy, who may not deserve it in your life. To show forgiveness. Man, it's a short life, use it, use it wisely and trust in the Lord. You see, the valley of death teaches us what to fear. This is important. This is important because it is normal to have fear. Now, now, to one extent, God designed us to fear some things. For example, he taught us to fear uh, rattlesnakes, poisonous spiders, disease, cats, Normal things. (laughs) A smart electrician has a healthy fear of electricity. An explosive expert um, should have a respectful fear of a bomb. I remember seeing someone on on social media a while back, had a T-shirt, and it said on the front, I'm a bomb technician. Run if I'm running. (laughs) Fair enough. There's some things you should fear. I mean, if a lion suddenly escaped out of the Cincinnati Zoo and busted through the you know double doors there, um, you know you you're probably not going to hang out here. Like you know what? I think church is over and we're going to uh, get out of here. We have this healthy fear. But Jesus even said there are things we should fear. There was, there was. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says this. It says. And these are the words of Jesus. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You should fear what's going to happen to your soul. And as believers in Christ, we put our faith and trust in him. We know where we're going. We have this body. We have a soul and the Spirit of God living inside of us as believers. And the soul one day will separate from this body. This body is just an outward appearance. It's not who I am. It's what I look like on the outside, but of my soul is who I am. And this soul will go to a place called heaven or a place called hell. And so heaven is real. Hell is real. And eternity depends on the decision we make in this life. And in fact, you could say this life is a prepping ground for the next. What will we do? You see, the valley teaches us what to fear. The question is, are you fearful about the right things? Are you fearful about the right things? You see, you should fear, you should fear a life that denies Jesus Christ. Jesus went on in 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 that same chapter, Matthew 10, verse 33. He says, whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And having done many funerals, and many of you have been to funerals, and having done predominantly Christian funerals, I've done some non-Christian funerals, a handful. And let me tell you, the difference is night and day. The lack of hope at a funeral that's not Christian I, I don't know how to explain it because it, it 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 just touches your soul in a different way when you experience it and if you've been to one you know what I'm talking about it, it, there's the only way I can explain it is there's no hope I mean the disappointment of no hope of not knowing and some will say to, to those try to say comforting words and you know I don't I don't say anything back because it's not the time but They'll say things like, you know, grandpa or grandma or my brother or sister, they're an angel now. Well, they're not. That's not biblical. You don't turn into an angel. Um, God already had all the angels created. He's not adding any more. doesn't need any more angels. Um, or automatically, it's, well, they're in a better place now. Are they? How do you know that? Because if they denied according to Jesus, if they denied him here on earth and they wanted nothing to do with his church, they wanted nothing to do with him here on earth, why why would a loving God send someone to heaven if they wanted nothing to do with a little slice of it here on earth? say, preacher, that sounds unloving. No, no, no. Unloving, unloving is when a father lets his son be sacrificed on the cross for a for a punishment in which he did not commit it, t- it takes the place of another and another person spits on that and wants nothing to do with it that's what god did for us that he talking about jesus who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross that we might be made the righteousness of god in him and that's the only way we get in listen i'm not getting into heaven because i'm a preacher you're not getting in because you're a deacon or a teacher or that you come to church here and there or you watch online. You're getting in by the grace of God, by, by, man, repenting of your sins and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's it. And there are going to be some Baptist people. There's going to be some Methodist people. There's going to be some Catholic. There's going to be people of different denominations. And they go, well, I went to church. I was a member there. I did this. I did that. And God's going to go, I never knew you. I never knew you. How is that, that? He didn't know him. You never put your faith and trust in him. You went through the motions. You checked all the boxes. But you didn't check off the one of humbling yourself and repenting before the cross and giving your life to Christ. You see, if you're a life that denies Jesus Christ, if you're not willing to humble yourself here, you won't humble yourself up there. You know. Some wonder who will be awarded in heaven. And the Bible does promise an inheritance, rewards for how we live this life. It reminds me of a story. I heard about a minister who died and was waiting, at the, waiting in line, if you can wait in line in heaven, but it's a, it's a story. It's a joke. In the pearly gates, ahead of him was a guy dressed in sunglasses. I don't know if you can have sunglasses in heaven, but a loud shirt, leather jacket, and jeans. And St. Peter says to this guy, who are you? And so that I may know how to admit you into the kingdom of heaven. The guy replies, I'm Joe Cohen, a tax driver in New York City. And so St. Peter looks at his list. He smiles and says to the taxi driver, take this silken robe, golden staff, and you get to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The taxi driver goes into heaven with his robe and staff, and it's a minister's turn. So he thinks, man, I'm a minister. He's a cab driver. If he got that, what am I going to get? And so he comes up. St. Peter asks him, what's your name? And he says, my name is John Smith, and um, I'm the pastor of um, Little Creek Baptist Church. And so he looks up, and he hands the uh, the pastor a cotton robe and a wooden staff, and he can enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says, but St. Peter... Why the, did the taxi driver get a silken robe and a golden staff? Like I would have thought, I would have got something better. And he said, "Well, well, um, you have to understand. You have to understand." Um, Peter told the pastor, "Up here, you receive your reward based on your results. While you preached, people slept. When he drove, people prayed." Fear a life as a Christian that misses the opportunity to make an impact. Don't miss it. Christian, you don't want to get to the end of your life, whether how many decades God gives you, and go, man, I should have done more. I I should have tried that. I should have talked to so-and-so, and And there's two judgments in scripture. There's one for the believer, and there's one for those who have denied Christ, it's called the white throne judgment. It takes place in heaven, and in short, we'll be in heaven, we'll be watching the white throne judgment. Not a judgment for us, but our judgment will be one of reward-based, not salvation-based, the white throne judgment will show, the, will show what they've done, the good and the bad, but it also will show that it's salvation-based, and without Christ, they don't, they don't get in. Now, there's no tears in the new heaven and new earth, but the white throne judgment and those judgments take place before the Bible says there will be no more tears. Until then, there will be tears in heaven because we'll be watching. Well, there's going to be people we know that step up before the Lord and never knew him or never humbled themselves before the Lord. Some will look at us and go, "Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you invite me to church? Why didn't you share with me the gospel? Why didn't you say anything?" There'll be tears in heaven. There'll be tears over missed opportunities. Christian, you should fear missed opportunities. You you also should fear the results of disobedience. You see, we see in scripture as well that the Lord will look at those who have served well, and he will say, well done, you good and faithful servant. You see, there's this idea that at times that, well, if I can just have a little shack in heaven, if I can just barely get into heaven, then, then I'll be good. Man, I hate to break it to you, but that's not how God works. None of us deserve heaven. That's the thing. Our sin is in our front to the Lord, but he loves us anyway, and he gives us grace and mercy through the cross. And when God saved you, he was not looking to negotiate with you. So many of us think God wants to negotiate with you. When it comes to salvation and the way that you live your life as a Christian, he's not interested in negotiating with you. He's the boss. He's the one. He's given us his word, his direction, his instruction. It's clear. It's clear. And so what will we do with that? And as a Christian, the Bible is clear that whom the Lord loves, he will chasten. And that if a Christian's truly a Christian, and they start living a life that dishonors the name of Christ... That is in disobedience. The Bible says that if you're a legitimate child of God, um, because God loves you, not out of anger, not out of just God wanting to get you, but out of love as a loving father who corrects his wild child, he's going to get your attention. And to what severity, and usually God gives warnings and gives grace, and he's long-suffering, and he sends people your way to help guide you and direct you, but make no mistake, he can break you. And make no mistake, there are some believers, and I've seen this, I can think of, I can think of a couple guys who are my age. One died in a car wreck, drunk, and another one on a motorcycle that decided to do their own things. And they were, I believe they were Christians. And God took them in their 20s. Done. Once on fire for Jesus, and then not. Listen, there's, there's some things you should fear. And I remember, I remember when I turned 16, and I had my driver's license. And I um, had my driver's license, and my mother handed me the keys, first time driving by myself. And she gave me the keys and said, Lucas, I, I want you to know that you're going to have opportunities to do things that, are, that I'll never find out about. And back then, you couldn't track your kid on the phone, right? You couldn't see how fast they were going. Glory days, Anyway. There's places you can go and things you might be able to do that I'll never find out. But I want you to know something. I know that you love the Lord. I know that you're a Christian. And he loves you far more than I even love you. And the Lord sees everything and can punish you any way that he seems fit, if need be. Here's your keys. Have a good day. <laughs> but you know what's It's true. Is true. And maybe you're in your early 20s and in your teens and you think, I can't wait to get away from my parents. I know they pay all those bills for you. Don't wait till you get your bills. They're, they're, not, they're not as fun as what they seem. And you're going to have freedom one day, and rightfully so. But man, the Lord really does love you more than your parents even do. And I'm sure your parents are crazy about you. So are you fearful about the right things? You see, there's some things I don't have to fear, though. I don't have to fear evil. Now, now physically, evil may harm me in some form or fashion. There's more, there are more martyrs today than there's ever been before. That's true. But the comfort that we have is that evil cannot control me, that evil cannot touch my soul, and that at the end of the day compared to eternity, compared to what God has waiting for us, that I don't have to fear evil. It is like a shadow. It's like being afraid of a shadow. It's like being afraid of the shadow of a dog that cannot bite or a serpent that cannot bite, the shadow of a gun that cannot kill. Though death is fearful, I will not fear its shadow. No matter how dark a shadow can be, it also reminds me of this. There can be no shadow if there is no light. And if there's a shadow, there's light. And Jesus is the light of the world. And because he is my shepherd and he is the light, I'm going to look to him when shadows concern me. And so follow the Lord, follow the Lord, put the fears behind me, and I'm not going to let fear dominate my life. So he hasn't given that a spirit of fear to us. As well, if you're reminded of the, uh, the parable Jesus gave. A parable is a, a story with a heavenly meaning where Jesus told about the man that uh, he had three different servants. And he gave the one servant, um, I think it was five talents, the one, two talents, and the one had one talent. And he said, I want you to go and I want you to invest it. And two, uh, 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 the one with the five and the two went and invested it. Came back and had doubled their money, had done well, and he blessed them even more. But the one who had the one talent, he went and Took it and he put it in the ground and he said you wicked servant. Why did you do that? He said, well, I was afraid I was afraid The promise that we have The talents and the gifts which God has given us we cannot live afraid life isn't safe anyway you might as well take the time in which God has given you and live it for His glory and live it for Him and stop worrying so much about what everyone else around you thinks. Care more about what God thinks than what people think and focus on Him. And Romans 8 tells us if God be for us, who can be against us? Our Father is with us, He's alongside of us, He is for us. And this life is not guaranteed. We're going to go through difficult times. Why as go with them? With the Lord. He is our shepherd. He is with us. And so don't miss that. Don't forget that. You know, most of us, we've experienced um, we've experienced when our children, our children's dependence on us when they face fears. There's times at night, especially when they're younger and they come to your bed and because they're afraid. They're afraid and they want to hop into bed with you because maybe it's a storm. Maybe they had a bad dream. And, and I think about my kids when they're little and they're older now, they don't come to our bed. But once, Nate, you ever have your child get this close to your face? No joke. Nate, he was little, and I was sleeping on my right-hand side, and he was being quiet. And I opened my eyes, and he was literally here. And I punched him in the face. (laughs) Not intentionally. The preacher doesn't beat his kids, I promise. But I did. It was just a reaction. And, and uh, that was the last time he did that. <laughs> yes. Poor PKs. They get used, So stories get used so much. But I can remember as well as a couple years ago that Grant came to us in the middle of the night, and it was around Halloween time. He said, Dad, I had a bad dream. I went, oh, what was your bad dream, buddy? I said, man, I was dreaming that pumpkins were after... Eating my face. They weren't eating my face. And so, and kids have these crazy, wild dreams at times. But when they get in your bed, the dream in which they had, whatever they were fearful of, it calms them. Why? They're with their father, they're with their parent <laughs> that is there to love them and hold them and help them. And this world, in the face of fear, and evil which we have to deal with, we can run to the Father. He is with us. You see, you also don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear death. Maybe you're greatly fearful of death. I had a family member once, wonderful lady, loved Jesus, but always talked about how much she feared death and she died in her sleep. <laughs> That's going, had the same question. They're like, man, what, what's going on with our, our loved ones who have gone on before us? I'm going to read this briefly. It's in First Thessalonians 4, and Paul wrote to this church in Thessalonica, and he said in verse 13, And now, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, your loved ones, the ones who have gone before you, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. He's not done yet. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear death. He's coming again. So you also don't have to fear rejection. Maybe you've done some crazy things in your life and you feel like, why would God even love me? How can he really forgive me? Did he really forgive me? And I love what Romans 8 says, therefore, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In Christ... There, what was once condemned is now forgiven. In Christ, what was now once dirty is now clean. In Christ, what was once broken is now mended. In Christ, what was once rejected is now a part of the family. That's what happens in Christ. And my friend, if you're not in Christ, why not accept him today? And lastly, before we get into our baptisms, The valley of death is passable. When we walk with God, we can have courage because it says, You are with me. Man, what a comfort. You were with me. You were close beside me. Say, Pastor, I'm I'm fearful. I, I, I don't know if I can do it. You see, courage, courage is a choice. Courage is not the absence of fear, but fear under control. You see, courage is not the absence of fear, but the judgment that something else is more important than the fear. And our Heavenly Father is just that. See, courage, it always requires action. If you always talk about your problems, guess what you're doing? You're feeding your fear. If you always talk about your God, you're feeding your faith. And the one that will grow bigger is the one that you will feed the most. Christian, what are you feeding? Are you feeding your fear or are you feeding your faith? So, in this, you can be paralyzed by fear or you can be empowered by hope. You see, the opposite of courage is discouragement. And when we walk with God, we can have the comfort. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. And as a shepherd would carry his rod, it would be one to gather his sheep off a dangerous area or as well to protect his sheep against the enemy. And so we have this shepherd who is our confidence. Jesus is my confidence. And in this world, That is, so many things can change so rapidly and quickly. And in a world that wants you to be filled with anxiety and stress and worry, Jesus is my confidence. And when you read Psalms 23, what's the main point that it's getting to for us? That my shepherd, my Jesus, my Savior, He is my Confidence, knowing he's going to feed me, knowing that he's going to lead me, knowing that he's going to help me in whatever situation I'm in. Amen. And I'm thankful, so thankful for that. We're gonna end with this passage. It's Psalms 46, verse 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, We will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, we do not have to fear. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being my shepherd. Not just a God, not just a shepherd, but you show ownership you're patient and you're kind there are times of great fear that come over us you don't leave us and you don't forsake us and even though there may be times in which we don't always feel that you were close by it doesn't change the truth that you are so as we have this time of reflection and time of prayer What are you afraid of right now? What are you fearful of? Is it the right kind of fear? The difficult time which you're going through, are you trusting in the Lord through it? Maybe right now you need the Lord to carry you through it. Maybe right now you're feeding your fear more than your faith. Wherever you're at, as a believer in Christ, he's with you. But My friend, if you don't know Christ, we have a shepherd that wants to bring you into the fold. Would you like to repent of your sins? And put your faith and trust in Christ today you can a simple prayer is God I admit that I'm a sinner I admit that I I deserve death and hell Jesus I'm asking you to forgive me Jesus I'm asking you to be my Lord and Savior Jesus, from this day forward, I'm going to follow you with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. If that's you, you prayed this similar exact prayer this morning. That's how we give our faith and trust to Christ. What's the next step for you? Well, we'd love to get you plugged in to a life group so you can grow in your faith. And grow stronger and get around other believers who can love you and help you. But the next step to grow in your faith is not a next step for salvation, make no confusion, but a step to strengthen your faith is to publicly get baptized. It doesn't make you any more saved, but Jesus said that his believers should be publicly baptized, showing that they're not ashamed of him. That is an outward event that we do that shows what has happened, an inward change, a commitment we've made to Christ. So, have you been baptized? We're baptizing this morning, the water is warm. Pastor Austin is back there. We have towels, we have shirts, we even have shorts have everything you could possibly need this morning to get changed into the question is will you live and take that step of obedience in christ and if that's you i'd like for you to come down right now say i didn't plan on it today that's okay if not now then when If you'd like to get baptized, we're baptizing two this morning. We have a lady back there. We have some other people back there that will show you where to go. We have private rooms where you can change. Would you like to do that this morning? If that's you, come right up down. Come down and I'll meet you down here. We'll get you where you need to go. So Pastor Lucas, pray for me. Pray for me that I'll be fearful of the right things and put my trust in God with the rest. Right now, I'm struggling with some fear in my life, just some things in my life going on. Pastor Lewis, pray for me. Just raise your hand and show it to God. Raise your hand high and say, Pastor Lewis, pray for me. There's some things that I need to give to the Lord. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.